Hi, this is Amber. Welcome to today's podcast. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. I'm a Reiki master teacher and a shamanic practitioner, and I have been running my own healing practice since 2007. Thank you to everyone who listens in for all your lovely messages of support as ever. Um, thank you for your emails. Thank you for sharing how the podcasts have affected you, influenced you, inspired you. Um, it's all wonderful to hear, so thank you. If you would like to support the work, you can go to the website sacredspacehealing.org. There is a drop-down menu on the homepage and a donations button, and you can donate as much or as little as you feel called to, and all the donations go back into creating more free content, which I think is really vital at this crazy time in our evolution. So today's podcast is looking at how how our relationships with our parents affect um, our romantic relationships. So I'm not big on this whole, you know, school of thought that we have to blame our parents for everything, right? I don't think it's a defense for all our neuroses or our bad choices or our bad behaviors. However, from the ages of zero to seven is when we form our most formative, most deeply imprinted opinions of the world and relationships. Some esoteric schools say that this is the time when each chakra in our body is affected by the things that we experience as children. So zero to seven, the seven chakras, chakra points, there are more than those, but the seven main chakra points are affected by what we experience. So, you know, zero to one, the base chakra, the sacral, and so on and so on and so on. And that whatever trauma we experience, whatever programming we go through, um, whatever we witness during this time deeply affects us um, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. Uh, and it affects, you know, it affects us deep within our body, deep within our cells, our DNA. And I think that's very true. I think there is a there, there is also um, uh, esoteric uh, schools of thought, spiritual schools of thought that we are affected by what we experience in the womb. So pre-birth. So it's not just to do with when we're born. It's it's the whole it's that whole experience because our very first experiences of the world are to do with our parents. The, our parents are. Our world, they are our um, gods and goddesses. We get our definition of the world through our parents. Our world is created by our parents. You know, we don't know any other world other than what our parents create for us. And we get our definitions of relationship and love and boundaries and abundance and success and beauty and self-worth, uh, how to take care of the body, all of that, we learn all of that at the feet of our parents. So it's a huge responsibility for the parents, of course it is. But again, there are schools of thought, and uh, Khalil Gibran and Rumi have talked about this, that, you know, parents are caretakers, that the child comes into the world a, f a fully formed soul, and that it's the parent's role to caretake that soul, to assist it in developing into a kind of fully-fledged human being physically, but actually the soul that comes in knows exactly what it's here to do, how it's going to do it, 
and there isn't much for the parent to do other than to caretake that soul. And I completely agree with that. And I think where we've been misdirected and um, where problems have come into play or where uh, parents believe that the, 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 the child is somehow something that they have to manipulate or change in some way, either to fulfill their own unfulfilled needs or because they're scared or um, because they, they don't know what to do with this fully formed soul. So many sensitive beings that come, that are incarnate on the planet and they're incarnated into families that don't have that spiritual outlook on parenthood will often suffer at the hands of parents who try to mould and manipulate them into being something, you know, fit in, why are you so different, why are you so sensitive, why can't you be more like this? And that that poor child gets kind of told that everything that is innate to them is somehow wrong. And this can create um, a great deal of confusion for sensitive children you know, that they have all these desires and things that come to them very naturally, that they have a very intrinsic way of wanting to be in the world, and then they have these godlike figures that are telling them that that's wrong, that's inappropriate, it's not how things should be, that their desires are wrong, that their ambitions are wrong, that their kind of, um, their yearnings for what they want to do on planet Earth are wrong. So... I think our paradigm of parenting is uh, screwed up, basically. And so no wonder it creates screwed up adults. You know, No wonder it gives out mixed messages to children who then become dysfunctional adults in, in some form or another. So it, they have, I think our parental experiences have far-reaching effects in so many different directions. Self-care, abundance, self-worth body image, career, life purpose, creativity, like you name it, all of it gets affected in those formative years. But I just want to look at relationships because I feel that it's kind of one of the main areas where these dynamics sometimes play out on a really unconscious level and so they end up being even more powerful. So I, it's no kind of great mystery. Like people will say, you know, women marry their dads and men marry their mums. And I think there's a little bit of a truth to that. But I think it can run a bit deeper than that. And it, to give it brushstroke definitions, again, just to create and stimulate discussion and thought. So for a man attracted to women, um, and that this is not to negate same-sex relationships, because I think this can apply to same-sex relationships as well, where there will be one partner that's maybe more in their feminine and one that's more in their masculine. But as I've always said, I can't really comment on same-sex relationships because that's not been my experience. But I do believe that these principles apply to same-sex relationships as well. And there, of course, there's never any judgment there because I think we fall for who we fall for. And I actually think that sexual um, the body that you're born into is kind of irrelevant, like we fall for the soul. So... Um, but let's say men who are attracted to women will tend to go in a few directions. So they'll either they'll either have this very reverential image of their mother, and she'll be on a pedestal, so no woman will ever compare to their mother. The mother was the goddess, she was the queen, they will defer to her, they, they will uh, be very close to her, they will not want to cut the apron strings, 
Um, often she will be involved in, very actively involved in choice of girlfriends or uh, life partners, very actively involved in decisions around career or home or friendships, uh, family holidays together, uh, so on and so on and so on. And that's not to say any of these things are bad, but what can sometimes happen when that bond is kind of um, too tightly bound is that there's no space for a woman to actually come in. So the, the guy will tend to be a serial player or he'll be a kind of uh, ser serial bachelor because he'll constantly be comparing every woman that he meets to his mother and no one will ever do. She was the queen, she was the goddess for whatever reason. And bonds like that, you know, you often get men who are who really just haven't grown up, like they're kind of big kids because they always have a mummy to run back to and mummy is very present in their lives. And in order for us to grow as adults, at some point we have to cut the umbilical cord and we have to make our own way in the world and fall over and make mistakes and learn from these mistakes and become parents to ourselves and then eventually maybe parents to new life. But there is a certain type of dynamic which makes that quite impossible to happen when it comes to uh, men and their mothers. Then you get um, men who had dysfunctional relationships with their mothers. So maybe the mother was absent in some way, maybe she had mental health problems, maybe she was too controlling, maybe she was smothering. And so they'll either um, find themselves gravitating towards women that are very similar to their mothers. So similar dynamics of being smothered or being... Um, if if that was the dynamic with the mother, if the, if the mother was very cold, they might find themselves drawn to women who would draw affection. Um, if the mother was absent, they might find themselves drawn to women who are absent emotionally or physically. Or they'll run a mile from anyone who vaguely reminds them of their mother. So any woman who has the same colouring or the same hairstyle or the same name or the same um, <clears throat> ethnicity or the same characteristics, whether she's similar or not to his mother, he'll run a mile from because he doesn't want ever to be near a woman who is anything like his mother. But it will be a push-pull thing because he'll sort of be drawn to that because he's seeking the mothering that he never got, but he'll be repelled by it as well because the mothering that he got was not sufficient. It didn't fulfil his needs. And for men like that, it's... Uh, creates a lot of dysfunction in their relationships with women, you know, uh, from uh, compulsive kind of serial dating to promiscuity to including addictions as well. You know, this yearning to be back in the womb, this yearning to be close to the mother is um, something that in, in shamanism, addiction is linked to this desire to wanting to be in the womb, to wanting to be mothered. So it's a it's a wound around mothering that creates addiction. So the mother wound in a man will can create really dysfunctional ways of operating in the world. And it can also mean that he never really grows up again. So he's sort of a perpetual child. You might find that <clears throat> men like that have dysfunctional or unhealthy relationships, not only with substances as in addiction, but... Um, they're unable to hold down a job or they're unable to commit to anything uh, for great length, lengths of time. They're not very good with money. They sort of lack self-care. 
um, because they lack mothering. The, because the mothering was never there, it's like it's this constant wound in their lives. And a way to kind of get that mothering is to be a constant child. So to be the, the Peter Pan, you know, to be the boy that never grows up, to be the player, to go from woman to woman. Um, to constantly be weak, to be incapable, to be helpless, to not know what to do, so that a woman will come in and rescue him. And he'll want that, but he'll resent it at the same time. Um, men like that will tend to go for women that they can dominate in some way. Uh, all women who dominate them, like it will vacillate, they will be very uncomfortable in an equal relationship because they never really experienced what it was like to stand in their power with a woman from a young age. Often men who've um, experienced the mother wound will not want to look at the mother wound because it feels like an anathema. It feels like this terrible thing to, to look at how they didn't get a mother's love. It brings up great feelings of inadequacy of not being good enough, of somehow being rejected. You know, if the mother rejects you, there must be something deeply wrong with you, is this kind of core belief that um, a lot of men who've experienced the mother wound will carry with them. So for a woman who has the mother wound, it plays out in different ways. Um, and it, it will affect romantic relationships, of course because it defines her self-worth. So a woman's uh, reflection, her kind of first uh, interaction with the feminine is the mother. So she gains her knowledge of what it is to be a woman in the world by observing her mother. And then, of course, anything that her mother passes on to her is... Um, <clears throat> wisdoms about the world or how to be as a woman or her sense of attractiveness all become internalized very quickly. So if a woman had uh, a mother who was overly critical, those, um, those ways of being, those uh, judgments will become very internalized and might become her internal stream of thought her sort of white noise. If a woman has a mother who is emotionally distant, uh, whether through addiction or mental health issues or just because she was emotionally distant, um, a, a woman will fall into the role of feeling that she's unlovable, that at her core there is something about her that isn't lovable, which will of course affect her dynamic in relationships. She will tend to give too much in a relationship. She won't have very strong boundaries, um, or she will give nothing. She'll be, be the ice queen, the ice maiden, because she's terrified that if she reveals herself that she will be rejected in some way. Um, but she can also then have an overdeveloped sense of the caretaker. So if she had a mother who was physically ill or emotionally ill, and she had to tend to her, then she becomes overly developed in taking care of other people's needs ahead of her own for both men and women, but it seems to affect women more than men. Um, that dynamic with the mother, also with the father, where um, they are unstable in some way, creates uh, an over-extended sense of empathy. So this is often how empaths are created. You know, empaths 
are born and we're I think we're all born with sensitivity and you know some people that are very empathic are kind of born with that gift they're very very sensitive they'll often have lots of allergies and be very sensitive to this world uh, but they're also created by their families and so if you're in a family if you're brought up in a family where you have a parent that is suffering from addiction or mental health issues or is erratic in some way so that your safety is never known, like you never know what's going to happen, you never know when the mood's going to change, is it going to get dark, is the parent going to fall into depression and maybe try and kill themselves um, or attack you in some way, your empathic skills get very, very heightened because it's a way of surviving. You have to be able to read every nuance of someone's energy field, every slight um, variation in their facial expressions, their vocal tones, to know what mood or state they're in for your own survival. And this is how empaths are created. Uh, and it becomes uh, a double-edged sword. It's a wonderful gift to have, but it also means that the world becomes this kind of beating, pulsing, overwhelming thing often for empaths. So uh, if a woman has had a mother that is uh, domineering, suffocating, doesn't allow her to spread her wings, is jealous, is competitive, she might continue to attract those relationships later on in life because that's all she's ever known. Um, it might make her want to rebel, so she might become very promiscuous, she might uh, be a kind of serial data, um, or it might make her someone who doubts her own femininity, who doesn't feel very feminine. Uh, maybe she had a mother who compared herself to her daughter the whole time and told her daughter that her daughter was lacking in some way, then daughters end up feeling that they are lacking in some way, which again affects relationships because they don't think that they're attractive enough, that a man will never want them, that they're not feminine enough, um, that they're not sexual enough, they're not sensual enough. If a mother has not initiated her daughter in menstruation, in the kind of, uh, you know, the chapters of becoming a woman, women will often be disconnected from their bodies and this disconnection then can lead to lack of boundaries it can lead to uh, addictions it can lead to um, body weight issues it can lead to being in abusive relationships and so those are some of the ways in which the mother dynamic can affect both men and women in their relationships so let's look at the father dynamic. So if the father is uh, not present, is emotionally or physically unavailable for their son in some way, then the son doesn't have um, <clears throat> a role model. The son doesn't have someone that he looks to to get his sense of identity from. So that will affect men and their relationships in terms of them not really being able to feel like they are ever fully embodied in their in their masculinity. You know, who am I as a man in the world? What is my place in the world? What is masculinity? How can I be more masculine? Uh, what is my role in a relationship? Am I meant to be the breadwinner? Am I meant to chase the woman? Like, what am I meant to do? So men like that will of, often uh, really struggle to find their place in the world. And it, it's... An, it's no coincidence that there's such a high rate of gang violence and drugs and alcohol with boys that have fathers missing. Like it's really important 
for a young man as he's growing up to have a very present father figure, someone who can reflect masculinity, healthy masculinity back to him and who can initiate him again in the ways of the world and how to be a man in the world in what masculinity means. If the father is abusive, if he's uh, got addiction issues, then again it creates a, a whole sets, uh, set of dysfunction for the masculine. You know, does it mean that to be a man you have to be, you know, drunk or off your face or violent? Um, and then, of course, there's that fear that if there was addiction or there were violent or unhealthy tendencies in the father, that the sins of the father are going to be passed on to the son. And so you might find that he perpetuates the patterns of his father or that he um, strives endlessly to not fall down the same rabbit holes that his father fell down or to be everything that his father was or to be everything that his father wasn't. If the father was emotionally absent or physically absent, you know, you might get uh, a, a man who is constantly craving uh, recognition, who is constantly craving acceptance um, he might unconsciously, consciously want to follow in his father's footsteps. You know, maybe if I do this, my dad will notice me. Or maybe if I do this, I'll have got my father's love. Or maybe if I did this, my father would have stopped doing drugs or stopped drinking or stopped having affairs or whatever it is. So I think the, the spectre of the father is quite a big one for the masculine. And it definitely affects his romantic relationships because he will have got his definition of a successful well, of a, of a relationship, of a romantic relationship, by observing his father with his mother. So the way that his father was with his mother is what he will have observed. It's the only dynamic that he knows. Now, either that worked or it didn't work. He will either try and emulate it or he will run away from it. But um, until the work is done to heal these wounds, at an unconscious level, he will be repeating those patterns one way or another. And then for a woman, you know, they say women marry their dads. For a woman who's had an unhealthy dynamic with her father, she will be drawn to men who have that similar dynamic, but at the same time repelled by them. So if the father was absent, if the father withdrew affection, if the father was dysfunctional in some way, if the father was an addict, she will either be trying to rescue men the whole time or she will be drawn to bad boys or men who are emotionally unavailable or physically unavailable and will find herself in this perpetual kind of cycle of, oh, I really fell for the guy, but then he had a girlfriend. I fell for the guy and then he left me. I fell for the guy, but then he you know was an addict or whatever it is. And um, she'll probably go from relationship to relationship, constantly getting her heart broken, constantly kind of going for the wrong guy. Um, and often taking on projects, you know, men that need rescuing or help in some way. She won't feel that she has a place in a relationship unless she's the one doing the helping or the saving. Because at some level she's trying to do that for, the, the, the child in her is trying to do that for the dad. Uh, she wasn't able to do it when she was a child, but the child in her is still actively kind of hoping and wishing, maybe I'll save him this time, maybe I'll be able to make him change his behaviour this time. Obviously, if there's been any kind of abuse, so if the father has abused the daughter, then it will create dysfunction within her sexual relationship. She will never feel safe around the man, or she will be uh, one of two ways, either very promiscuous or uh, a real fear and a loathing of sex and, and, and intimacy. Uh, and similarly, if there's abuse, which can happen, uh, where the mother abusing her young son, he will have a very distorted view of female sexuality, female power, female empowerment, uh, 
and of sex and intimacy. I mean, this, this, it's such a huge area. It's such a huge, huge area. It's a core wound. It's a core wound in so many people. And it massively affects our romantic relationships. Massively. And so I just bring up some considerations around the dynamics that can play out. And maybe you recognise yourself in some of them. And maybe you recognise a partner or a friend uh, in some of them. I think the purpose of just putting out those broad brushstrokes is to create thought and to create um, stimulation in the mind, to draw attention, to shine a light on that dynamic so one can start to address it, heal it in some way. I do think that, you know, often healing the parental uh, patterns of behaviour or thinking or programming is some of the most profound work that we can do. And as we do that work, our relationships start to transform. You know, clients often find that when they do that work, they meet the partner. You know, I've had, I can't tell you the number of clients I've had who they struggle, they struggle, they come to me, you know, I'm not meeting anyone. I mean, it's one of the number one things that people always want. You know, they want to meet someone they can spend their life with. It's not meeting anyone, it's not happening, it's not happening. And then we'll do the work, we'll do the core wound work, we'll, you know, we'll even look at stuff in the sacred union work. And within a couple of months, uh, within a really short space of time, they'll have met someone. And this time the relationship will be different. It won't be dysfunctional, it won't be wounded, it will be something that enriches their life. And every time that happens, I get reassurance that the more we do this work, the more we look at our core wounds, the more we clear and heal programming, uh, the more we clear the path for that authentic, romantic love relationship in our lives. But that's not to say that it's um, a walk in the park because I think for many people it's a, it's it, these are very challenging dynamics to heal and I think for people that have experienced any kind of trauma in their parental relationships it makes it even more challenging to heal you know I think if there's been any kind of abuse or violence then there's a lot of healing work to do and, and that has to be respected and uh, it can take as long as it takes, and I think it's important that we don't, you know, view it as a failing or a or something that we're doing wrong. Um, if if we don't get the speedy results that we feel that we should do when we shine a light on these areas in our life, I hope that assists in some way. If you feel that there are parental dynamics that you would like help with, then please do feel free to drop me an email, amber at sacredspacehealing.org. That's amber at sacredspacehealing.org, and we can set up a session. Until the next time, so it is, and so it shall be.